In order for shame to be rendered powerless in our lives, we must be witnessed. We must be seen. Your gifting is going to seem like things that are just very obvious. They're going to seem like, well, everybody can be this welcoming, but everybody can see that moment where I just saw it. It's going to feel like anybody could do it. And that's what makes it your gifting. Watch how people avoid the face of somebody in need or asking who makes you uncomfortable. Every one of those faces reveal God. We have to remember our past and recount the things that God has done for us. And then that gives us faith to keep going to where he wants us to be. Hey guys, welcome back to the Sons podcast. I'm Sam. And I am Blaine. And today... We have our producer, Alan Arnold, here in the studio. I was gonna. Thanks for bringing a name tag. <laughs> that was super helpful for Blade. Then I, I bounce. Uh... <laughs> Hi, my name is Alan. Alan, thanks for being in front of the microphone today. We're so glad you showed up. Um, it's good to be here. This <laughs> conversation uh, began when we sat down for our Anson's monthly update meeting. And I said, Alan, how's it going? And you said, pretty good. My voice is back. And we hadn't seen each other in so long right. that I didn't know that your voice had gone away. Uh, but evidently it did. I'd love to start with that story. Could you take us to the beginning? Uh, when did you lose your voice? What happened? It's the wildest story, but it started back in January. So beginning of this year... I was doing a lot of speaking, a lot of conferences, a lot of uh, coaching, and over the course of a couple of weeks of just nonstop use, totally fried my vocal cords. And, and it, honestly, I never thought about taking care of my voice. Like you open your mouth, you speak, and didn't realize you could ever use it so much that you could lose it. And that's what happened. And so early February, I had about 30% of my voice, sounded hoarse, um, weak, and was really hard to sustain it over a few minutes a day without it just totally going out. And we did some Wild at Hard podcasts uh, where my voice was that way. And it just, it just was really hard to communicate. And I had rested it, took days off, no speaking, thinking it just needed a break. Didn't change at all. Tried all these home remedies didn't work at all. And so basically went to a throat specialist in March and the throat specialist puts a scope down through your nose, down your throat with a camera. And there was a nodule on my vocal cords. And, and he's like, oh yeah, this is common in my practice of seeing speakers and singers and, and just people who have to use their voice a lot they'll overuse it, get a nodule, and the vocal cords can't come together fully. And so when that happens, the only remedy, the only cure is to go and have surgery and they cut the nodule. It's like a callus. They cut that off. And then after a few weeks of not talking, you hope you get your voice back. That's okay, the goal. Wait, callus. I, this whole time I've been pretending to know what a nodule is when it's in your vocal cords. I'm imagining like a bunion but I also don't really know what a bunion is. I don't like saying it, so I promise that's the last time I'll say is that uh, word. An English writer, <laughs> Paul, John, is Paul Bunyan something? 
I'm sorry, so he I said the, the blue word ox. again. He's the yeah. Yeah, yeah. There you go. With baby That's right. Uh, thank you, sound guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He, uh, he knows he knows the name because that's his pet name for his wife. <laughs> baby <laughs> ox. <laughs> baby ox. Ball that's romantic. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that wasn't the last time I was gonna say that. Anyway, a nodule is what? It's like a it's like a small bump, um, and it it grows from irritation of the vocal cords. And so it doesn't, you know, when you see it on, and I was seeing it on a big screen TV where this camera is down my throat and it's, it's not big, but it's any size is enough to keep your vocal cords from going together. So you're awake, there's a camera down your throat, you're watching it in real time. Is he asking right. you questions? Oh, the, the, yeah, my favorite thing he said, it's, it's like <laughs> a tentacle, it's black and it's this thin thing that he has a remote control for. And yeah. so it's literally like an alien tentacle that they put in your nose. It goes up your nose, down your throat. And my favorite part is he's like, Alan, uh, while we do this, just breathe normally and just talk like you normally do. Oh, sure. And I'm like, like I normally do when an alien <laughs> has gone <laughs> Trying to in, inside my <laughs> body. And is, yes. Um, but, but it was wild to see it. And the thing is, guys, uh, you know, after you lose something that you need, like a voice, you're ready for anything to cure it. Like, you just mm -hmm. tell me what I need to do to get my voice back, and I'll do it. Right. And he was like, that's the only way you're going to get it back. And surgery is about three months out because I'm backed up. So June 9th, we'll get your voice back. Was so, this something that your high schoolers were maybe praying would happen, just out of curiosity? <laughs> well, yeah, my kids love this. Uh, <laughs> I bet they did. <laughs> Especially... Wait, Dad can't tell us right. not to do anything anymore. And when I'm resting my voice, trying to not speak in those times, just to see if it would work, I had a little whiteboard. You know, and that was the only way to communicate. And of course, they never look your direction when you have the whiteboard. <laughs> so you're like... If I can't see it, you didn't say This that. is not working. I hate this. Um... Yeah, just to pause on the story to this inflection point is the worst, and I've experienced it elsewhere, where something random goes wrong. And, you know, it's, it's a common saying, you don't know what you have till it's gone, that doesn't really capture the kind of invaded experience, uh, the kind of having your legs cut off at the knees of something that you use every day suddenly going away. And then the desperation, like for me, you know, we talk about yes. my hamstring avulsion, y'all, the muscle tore away from part of the bone. And it was just like, okay, so now all of a sudden you can't lift, you can't run, walking is hard. And, oh my goodness, like, the, the stages of this is annoying, but I can work around it, to this has been going on forever, to I will really try anything. Yes. And, you know, in the course of my leg injuries, which you've mentioned a lot on this podcast, it's like, okay, so we have to do this giant needle thing, and it is really, really going to hurt to... uh try to stimulate new cell growth in this area. And we're going to have to do sort of like six in a row while you uh, just like <laughs> take this syringe being shoved into your thigh uh, down to the bone and be like, okay, fine, whatever. You'll do whatever it. Whatever it takes. Are you saying that if this works, 
I may be able to run, lift, walk easily again. Yes. It's at this point in the podcast when I need to make the note that we should include a graphic imagery warning before the beginning <laughs> of this episode. <laughs> oh my gosh. Picture an alien shoving his finger up into, up into your nose and he's whispering things. It, you, yeah, it was not pleasant, but like you're saying, you, you'll do anything to get back the thing you've always taken for granted. So the day's finally coming. We're like four days away, five days away, and I'm out doing some yard work, and I sense God say, Alan, this is not about the healing of your vocal cords. It's about the stealing of your voice. Mm. And it was this jarring. I wasn't in the middle of prayer. I wasn't asking God any questions. I was just doing yard work. And it was really disruptive, but he had my attention, you know, because that reframed everything. Okay, it's not about the healing of my vocal cords. That's all I've been wanting for five months, but the stealing of my voice. And, and what I knew he meant is uh, I use my voice at Wild at Heart in podcasts. I, I use it. I, I coach creatives and writers. I speak at conferences. And all of those things are to draw people into greater intimacy with God. I'm, I'm not just talking about, you know, some random small thing. It's, it's what makes me come alive. So, okay, now it's about the stealing of my voice by the enemy. And so I just asked God, what, how, how does that change things? And he said, well, here's the deal. You're going to get your voice back eventually. I'm going to restore your voice. But the question is, do you want to pursue it through story one or story two? And he doesn't say anything else. And I'm like, it's, it's like, I don't know, which is like, it's like the game show of, do you want door number one or door number two? And you're like, is there any way to know what's behind either one? And cause I have to pick. And, and so God and I get into this engagement of just, I drop the tools I'm working with and I'm in the yard by myself and it's quiet around me. So I just sit down on some steps outside and it's this wild conversation with God where I, you know, I hear a still small voice inside and, and he says, here's the deal. Story one is go to the doctor, have the surgery and see what happens. Like, do the trajectory you're on, story one. Mm -hmm. Story two, no guarantees other than I'm in it with you, but I'm inviting you to step into a wild mystery, the unknown. And either choice is fine. You choose. And my mystery, that was there more to the mystery of, of choice number two? Like that was all I got for story two was oh. step into the unknown and the mystery with me. And, and so it's almost too much information actually, to, you know, between these two options, super clear. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, and e all, everything within me gravitates initially toward, well, if either choice is fine and I've been waiting on this for surgery for three or four months, like no brainer, mm -hmm. go with that. But as I continued to just sit with it, I realized my heart was really flatlining with story one. And I mean, if you were invited to watch a, a you know, Netflix docu-series about, you have two choices. One is a guy who has a problem. He goes to the doctor, he gets surgery, 
And that's that story. Or story two, a guy cancels what seems the obvious choice for a surgery that he needs, and he gets an invitation from God to walk into the unknown, and he does that. Well, hands down, I'd want to watch the second show. Like, just, I'm intrigued by that. And that's what I felt my heart was coming alive with. That's what I felt. I was, I was just, I had this curiosity and passion of, I want story two. And here's the thing. I'm not going to know how story two goes unless I enter into it. I'll never know story two if I just go through the surgery on the 9th of June. And I also knew if I canceled the surgery that it was going to be three, four months out before I could get back on a schedule. So the next day... After sitting with God for a while, I call up the doctor and say, hey, I'm going to cancel this procedure in a couple of days. And he said, well, Alan, you know, that, that's fine. It's not like it's cancer. It's not, it's not a health crisis, but you'll never get your voice back without this. And so, you know, when you get ready to have your voice back, call me and reschedule. But take your time, you know. It, you could just tell he's... He, he is a, he's a really great guy, but he's so in his world of, if you want this, here's your solution. Mm-hmm. And so it, it really just caused me to go, okay, God, like this sounds impossible, but you've never guaranteed my voice would come back in story two. You've just guaranteed I'd get to do it with you. And whatever I get to do with you, I'm in. I'm in for the ride. I'm in for the story, whatever it is. And I had a major conference I was the keynote speaker at, really the only speaker at, for a good bit of the time, about eight days later. And I knew it would be pretty disastrous if I went into it with my voice the way it was. And it was six, seven hours of speaking every day for a week. And I could make my voice go an hour, half an hour at best, at 30%. So cancel the surgery. And the wild thing, guys, is within three days, my voice was fully back. And, and this is after, again, like since January, this started. So here we are in June and I've tried everything um, and nothing's worked. And three days after saying, God, I'm going to choose story two. I'm going to step into that with you. I have my full voice back and it's been back. It's, we're over a month past now, about a month and a half since then. and. It's, it's stayed 100%. Mm. And so, the, you know, the, the kind of thing I want to share with you and with the listeners is this isn't about go to a doctor if you have a need or don't go to a doctor. Yeah. The main focus of the story is do we tend to want to spend our days in what now I would use the language of story one or story two? Story one, the natural, the, the common way of solving our problems, of looking at life and trying to kind of get the desired result, or do we willingly step into story two most of the time where there is no guarantee but God, where the supernatural has to come into play? Hmm. You know, I, I could have stepped into story two and God could have said two, three months from that point, now go to the doctor and have the surgery. Right. Yes. Oh, this topic is so good. It was funny. I was just looking again right as we were walking in here. You give me your new book, Waves of Creativity. Everyone, go find it, Alan Arnold. Shameless plug. But I cracked it open, and I, hap- I can't find the entry right now, but it was the one on, what do you want? Do you want God? Or do you want 
success, power, money, influence. What is it that yes. you are after? And when you told me the story of your voice, what I felt was, oh my gosh, why is that my whole life right now? Uh, where my interactions with God revolve around this central issue. Story one, story two. Story one is for me some form of predictable self-saving or mm -hmm. it doesn't even have to be self-saving. It just has to be a way that's like low risk. Story two is high risk. And the only promise is that I'll get to do it with God. Yes. It's easy watching other people's lives. And it's not a bait and switch, guys, because God is the only thing worth having. Like all of the satisfaction and safety and security and significance you want will only be found in union with God. And then there's the, you know, there's the moon-sized but, comma, in my own life, which is like, ah, uh, yeah, but when the stakes get high, I discover a number of things. One of them is how sporadically I believe that God is worth having and how complicated the story is there, where my recent version of this has been a year and a half long story of deciding to sell the house that I was in, in one of the more desirable West Side neighborhoods of Colorado Springs, if you're into 1950s single-story brick houses, which it turns out a lot of people are. I'm just not one of those people. So <laughs> good for you guys. Thank you. But yours is like, I don't know how you define It's fine. You don't have to like somehow totally different. different. <laughs> but yours is split level. Yours is different. Some people like it. You're just not one of them. Just not one of them. And this story started where as Jesus began to uncover desire and invite M&I to dream and then to dream with God, uh, when we started asking, where do we go? Where do we go? Uh, what's the next step? All he would say four months was, sell your house and I'll tell you. And it was mm -hmm. like, and I knew, I could feel in what he was saying that this wasn't one of those, I'm going to take a risk and the reward I'm going to get is you're going to give me what I think I want. Which, by the way, is one of the, not necessarily a punishment, but it's something bad that happens in the parables of Jesus the willingness of the father to give someone what they think they want if they ask for it enough. But go, I could feel that the promise that God was making was, if you make this leap, I will be with you. And that will be a good thing. You will not be disappointed. But it took me probably a year, no joke, to get to the point where I was willing to list my house not knowing where I was going to go. Mm. You know, we all, I think, hesitate toward that decision or willingness to just step into story two. And it's ironic because all the movies we're drawn to, all the great novels, all the great stories by nature are story two stories, like the hero's journey that kind of is the roadmap for, you know, the blueprint for stories. It always begins with stepping into the unknown and it always ends when the hero, the protagonist, comes back and he is a different person or she is a different person. Like the journey has transformed them and in the middle is death and rebirth. And that's whether you're talking about Star Wars or, you know, any show from any time, 
those are the great ingredients that draw us into it. And if we were ever forced to watch a movie or show of a story, one story, a guy sits on his couch, he plays apps on his phone, and it ends with him sitting on the couch playing apps on his phone. Nobody would watch that story or want to or want to waste their time on it, and yet we live that story oftentimes because we settle for story one in our life, and then we go, I just don't see God doing very many miraculous things. I don't really sense his presence. I don't really have much awe for the story I'm in or the God I'm I'm getting to do life with. You know, what I'm learning is right, because when we're in story one, there's very little desire, need for God. We try to control that story. We try to do it in our timing, in our way. And I'm just learning. I don't want to spend time in that story because it never results in the kind of life I want or the experiences with God I want. Mm. Yeah. My mind is going in several directions right now as I'm thinking about this. And I think I'm beginning with there's something so personal about the ways that this ends up walking itself out. Like, obviously, I didn't have a nodule in my throat and I wasn't needing to go down that rabbit trail and that journey. And I wasn't, I'm not selling my house, but I'm experiencing risk and that invitation to the unknown in distinctly personal ways. And that's one where I, I'm drawn to the stories of others but even there, there's not like a formula that I get to sort of go, oh, okay. So when you risked, it looked like this financially or it looked like this with your career or it looked like this with your health. And I already feel like when I do that, I'm trying to like eliminate the very thing that makes it what it is, which is unknown and risky and vulnerable. I'm like, oh, okay. I have the risk formula now and it's a flow chart and I know how it's going to go and it's going to end well. And it'd be like, oh, okay. This thing really is like a choice daily, hourly, minutely, just to keep pressing into it. Is minutely? Minutely is a, a word. word? Okay. Yeah. Um, Sam Eldridge, Webster, Miriam, updated <laughs> 2021. It's great. I would kill for that dictionary. <laughs> uh, it's very short. I don't, I don't know that many words. But I remember like there, there have been moments in Sue's and my journeys where the language will be, we want to create space for God to show up so that we have that kind of a story when we get to like, look at our kids and go, we were living on the edge of this season and this is the way that God came through and this is the way that God came through and this is the way that God came through rather than the story one version, which is we always played it safe and God never came through because we never asked him to and he never had to, but we're really afraid and we're really scarce, but we trust him. We just don't trust him like to actually need to trust him. Yeah. And there's just, I think there's some honesty to name that. And I really appreciate what you're saying, Alan, in the, in the story too, of it's a consent to journeying with him. It wasn't necessarily this promise of, hey, if you have enough faith, then you're going to get healed. Right. Because that is a That's bag of not true, snakes. yeah. <laughs> in fact, it was the opposite. Like I remember after that encounter with God, where he was downloading the choices and, and we were having a conversation, I released in my own way to him. I said, God, I do want you and I want story two, and I'm not going to be 
offended or lose heart if I don't get my voice back in. Like I, it was important for me to speak that on the front end. Or whisper it as the case. Or whisper it hoarsely. Yeah. But to be able to just say, God, I like, I want you more than I want my voice. I want you Mm. more than any given outcome. So going into this, I'm not standing there with my arms crossed waiting for this miracle. I'm just excited to take this adventure with you. Mm. And that's not always easy to say, but but man, the heart shift when you can do that, which is pressures off and now with expectancy, what what's the story going to be? Because that's what I want and I want it with God. And he already said at some point, he's going to return my voice. He didn't say when, he didn't say if it was five years or through surgery or, or on the other side. Right. But is that okay? And do I still want the path? with God. And a lot of my friends in that in-between time after I canceled, but before the surgery was where there was still probably time to, to get it back if I begged, they were, you know, they were telling me things like, Alan, you know, doctors are from God and God can heal through doctors. So, and I'm like, I know that's Mm -hmm. not my question. I'm not wrestling with that. Absolutely. God can heal through doctors. And, and I've seen it many times, but I know in me, with this choice, there's something that God is doing to show, do I put my trust more in doctors or more in God? And you can trust both, but which do you look to for the better story, ultimately? And you can have a doctor in that story. But in my case, I just felt like God was saying, come over here with me. And maybe he'd point me back to the doctor after a certain amount of time, maybe not. But am I willing to go into it with no guarantee but God and that he gave me my voice back three days later? It led to a really great story, and it really helped me see God in new ways. But mainly, I just wanted to see what God was up to and to do it with him. Super yeah. good. So where did you and God build this rapport? Because I don't think this is the first risk that you took. But I, I happen to know that you've learned how to do this, that this was not totally unfamiliar to you. So if you were to look at even your story to date, what were some of the places where you learned that it's okay to risk? Because I think one of the things here is Even if you don't get the outcome that you hoped for, it will still be better to have lived the risky story than to have lived the safe, predictable, self-secured story. Right. And, And I didn't learn that or even try that until probably my early 40s. And so here, you know, a lot of the guys listening and and you guys, you know, when I was at your point in my life, age-wise, uh, it was all about control, make it happen, um, don't leave your story to chance, don't, don't risk things when you can try to make them happen. And, and I was a believer, and, and I knew God, a lot about God, but I didn't know him intimately. I was, I was working at a Christian publishing house you know, I, I had chosen in a career something that I wanted to make God known to people, and yet I did not know him 
as a son. And so really the first chance where this came up was when I was invited to join Wild at Heart and be part of it. And I'd already been going to the events and reading the books, and that was starting to show me, wow, like there's a way to have intimacy with God that I'd never heard in church, that I'd never seen modeled with friends or with family. And so that began kind of my initiation process into intimacy with God. And the first big test came when I was invited to join the team, leave Nashville, leave this publishing world that I'd been in 20 years. And everything in me said, no, I'm like, I, I love Wild at Heart, but I can go to events and keep doing my thing. So I declined uh, on the phone call. I said, you know, no, that's, thank you for the offer, but I'm going to pass. And John said the wildest thing, the most disruptive thing to me at that moment, he goes, hey, Alan, that's fine. Like, I get you're saying no, but here's the deal. God's already said you are coming. And so why don't you talk to him and get back? And then he hung up and I'm sitting there on holding the phone going, this is rocking my world and it's pulling me out of this ability to try to control the story. And as my wife and I did ask God, we heard, yeah, this is an invitation from me and I'm not going to give you any guarantees other than I'm in it and it will be an adventure. And that was the first time in my life because at that point we had three kids, comfortable life and, and a very controllable, it felt like, you know, means of everything was kind of in order and safe. And, and so when we stepped into this, I thought it was a journey of a new job and just trusting God, but it was really a journey into sonship. And that started this process of, God, I, I, I want to know you as father and I want to know you intimately. And I don't just want you to answer my prayers. I don't just want to believe in you. I want to know you. And I realized I'd spent no time in my life before then, like wondering, what does God think about creation? What makes God sad? What causes God to lean in with his sons and daughters? How, does God, how did God imagine creation before it began? Like I started wanting to know, just like we would if we were you know, dating somebody or courting you know, in courtship, you want to know that other person. I found this hunger to deeply know the heart of God. That was my, became my passion. And so that started the journey that's led to today that I'm still on. But last night, even Kelly, my wife and I were talking about this topic and she was saying, so story two really is about trust. And I said, well, it, it is trust, but it's not really mostly about trust. It's mostly about wanting intimacy with God. And she says, that's what I mean, trust. And I said, they're both good, but they're not interchangeable. And yes, you have to trust God to step in story two, but the heartbeat behind it needs to be intimacy of God. I just want to spend this story and this time with you and I'll let go of whatever else and I'll risk whatever else. And so there's trust for sure. But if we start making it into a discipline of trust, which I don't think that's what she was saying, but if, you, if we make it into a discipline of obedience or trust, we're taking the romance, we're taking the desire out of it, and then it becomes this act of obedience. And I think story two, the engine, the fuel that drives it is an obedience, although that's part of it, 
but it's mostly God gave us a choice, like he didn't force. And so do we want to step into it out of that longing, that hunger to see what he's going to do and how he'll invite us to do it with him? Super good. A couple of things come up for me hearing that. And one is that I do hear a maturity in what you are talking about that accounts for how hard it can be. I think that one of the things in my life with God uh, that has been both really hard and really productive is that story two, the life of desiring intimacy with God. Sometimes for me, it has gone really sideways. And I feel like people, even I, can be pretty hard in response to that. Like, well, God says that your story is going to have suffering. Or, well, he never said it was going to be easy. And to be like, I have not experienced Jesus responding that way to the places in me that have experienced story two as really hard. I've experienced him as being pretty dang kind, ready to enter into that with me, rather to be with me. But when I think about things that I would love for a guy in his 20s to know is to go, intimacy is worth it. I have quite a few stories of choosing story two and having it uh, have a lot of difficulty for a lot of reasons. And that has required usually after the fact, the address of God of like, help me make sense of how hard that was. And yes, I'm glad for the life you're giving me, but that doesn't negate uh, some of the cost. Uh, then I also think of, so that's, that's sort of its own box. I don't know if it's the season on the earth or the season of life that we're in or what, but doesn't it seem also like this kind of story one, story two thing is everywhere right now? What are you thinking of? I'm thinking of the phone calls that we've been making to Anson supporters on Patreon, who, in case you didn't know this, I don't know what tier it's at, Sam, but... Yeah, tier five. Tier five. We get a phone call, and it's not mostly for us to say thank you. It's mostly born of curiosity, and it's for us to figure out, who are you mm-hmm. that you decided to give $50 a month to AdSense? What is the deal? And those phone calls have been so encouraging, mm-hmm. and most of the time, I get off those phone calls, not in a self-negating way but in kind of a positive way going, man, that guy's doing it way better. <laughs> yeah. But there is, there is a theme to those stories too. Michael, looking at you, there's like, I just took a big pay cut. I'm flying by the seat of my pants. And we were kind of processing out in the phone call and going, man, how's that been? And his response was, it's awesome. Are you kidding me? Right. My family was suffering in the old life. My soul was withering. What? Yeah, like, it's tight. It's awesome. And as I look around at, you know, you're in grad school right now, but other of our friends are applying to grad school. Others are leaving jobs. Others, uh, hmm. there seems to be this momentum or this moment that I really do think is more widely spread than just guys at the tail end of their 20s at the beginning of their 30s. That seems to be God pushing the issue for people yeah. right now going. More is available if you want to risk. Totally. And this is a great time to do that. Yeah. 
that does seem to be going around. Like it does seem to be in the air, uh, and yet maybe that's just the kind of people that are the kind of people to listen to this and to want to mm-hmm. journey in this, and that's the people that we interact with. I like want to put out some honesty, like as some self, uh, just self-deprecating self, some just revealing. Like I would say, if I had to be honest, most days I don't want story two. Most days I want a beer. Hmm. Most days I don't want more intimacy with God. I want less demand from me. I mean, just can my world ask less? Do the kids need less? Can the house be fine? Can everything just be fine for five freaking minutes? It'd be great. That's all I want. And there's no God in that. There's like there's less of me in that. That it's not. It's not even like. Oh, I want rest. I want restoration. It's like, just where's the dang pause button? And like, that sounds great. And when I get those moments, when I get the beer, like the, the thing, the, it's not actually met. Like what I'm actually wanting and the longing like that comes after the first beer. It's like, well, that was good. Well, your options right now are another beer or go to sleep or right. be the guy on the couch looking at his apps on his phone and go like, oh, okay. There has been a need for more honesty as we kind of touched on earlier in this conversation of like, what is it that I'm after? Because the seasons where I have either been forced into needing more of God or sought him out of my own accord, they've been really good and they've been really revealing, but they do feel like those mountaintop-esque moments where you're like, oh, and then I descend from the mountain back into real life. And it's like, wait, wait, why was that not real life? And not why is this real life? Real life is like the drudgery? I don't understand. And we had a conversation about risk, Blaine, where again, like I need to sort of project myself as far as I can into the future. And I can't go very far as a young man. Like I can picture far enough, but it was a picturing a conversation with my kids and in a few years going, I want you guys to be able to risk. I want you guys to be able to step into the unknown. I want you to chase after things that like really make you come alive, even though daddy doesn't and didn't. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I can't have that conversation. Where, how is that going to go down? And I still remember this boot camp years ago where one of the guys on the team, I'll, I'll go slightly vague now because of, you know, like it's shared at a boot camp is meant for that context sometimes. A guy on the team was sharing about his life and some of his relational choices that he had made as a young man. And now as a father of a daughter, needing to have some conversations with her that are breaking his heart and that he wished he could imagine that moment back when he was in his late teens. And for me, I'm like, oh, that was like, that's really powerful. That's really orienting in the same way that this risk conversation with my kids, this, what am I modeling? What am I like, in 10, 15 years, when Finley is about to leave the home, is she going to go, well, growing up in this home, what you taught me is no one else is looking out for you. And the mm. beer at the end of the day is the best thing possible. And the less the world asks of you, the better. Yeah, or, it's, wow. uh, it's yeah. too real right now. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. right. Or, or the thing that feels like almost too scandalous to put words to, or... Uh, relationship with God is available and it's ever changing and dynamic and a constant invitation to risk in a new season. Uh, it's those the quotes on kingdom of God is always frontier. But that quote that we sort of gets passed around, like, is that the kind of thing that I want 
my kids to say when they're leaving the home of what dad modeled was relationship and engagement and risk. And he was present. And it's like, yeah, I want that. Right. Until about four o'clock. And then I want the, the Kolsch. <laughs> well, it, okay. So if anyone's listening and what you just said, Sam, is I think so important to address because like there's this tendency, I think, of humans to go, well, you're saying story one is bad and story two is good. And, and so one's always not right and two's always right. And I think to me, what's been helpful to look at it kind of a filter is two things. One is think of it like a, a, you know, a video game. If you're on level one and you've mastered that level somewhat and you kind of know where the bad guys come out and you kind of know how to defeat them and you know all the tricks and you know everything, you can stay in that level. It's knowable and it's also pretty boring and eventually you're going to get tired of that story and, and you're going to be stuck. But you can stay in that story. But if you level up to the next level, then all of a sudden it's out of your control. You don't know what's behind the corner. You don't, you're going to get new powers. You're going to have new obstacles, but your heart beats faster and you know you are in a new adventure. And I think most of the stories in the Bible that we look back at, Daniel, David, Joseph, Moses, Noah, uh, Esther, you know, look at all these stories. It's fascinating that they're all story two stories. Like none of those stories are, there was a guy or a gal and they had a pretty controlled, comfortable life. And God said, stay there and be comfortable and live in your controlled story. The end. Like we wouldn't be telling those as bedtime stories to our kids. We wouldn't be in awe of that. It, it would just be very forgettable. And, and so when we think about story one, yeah, like God loves you in story one and you can go to, you know, do your thing every week in story one, but it is a small story. So I don't know if I'd use the word, it's a bad story. It's just a kind of a forgettable, um, stuck place to be that, you know, nobody's going to ask you to tell that story to them one day. If that doesn't qualify something as being bad, what on earth well, qualifies not, something as being bad It's not evil. It's not, you know oh, what I'm saying? It's evil. Just, okay. It's not. It's sinister. You're not. But, but like, why would you want to do that? And Jesus, the second thing I was going to say is like, when the disciples asked him, we're talking about story as a life, a way of life, story one, story two. When Jesus' disciples came up to him and asked, uh, why do you tell stories? I love the message translation of this because that's important. Why is Jesus telling stories? And he says, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. Not everybody has this gift or insight. Whenever someone has a ready heart, the insights and understanding flow freely. But if there is no readiness or any trace of receptivity, it soon disappears. That's why I tell stories. So here's Jesus' words to create readiness and to nudge people toward a welcome awakening. And so he's talking about his parables right there. But on a broader scale, he's saying, I'm telling stories, I think, to bring people into an awakening of what story two could be, what, what life is meant to be. And then later in Matthew 13, in verses 34 through 35, I love how he wraps it up. He says, I will open my mouth and tell stories I will bring out into the open things hidden since the world's first day. And so 
I think story two, wow, when you're living in that, you're actually entering into a story where God reveals to you and through you in your gifting and in your calling and in your interest, he is actually revealing hidden things since Genesis, since the beginning of creation that have been waiting for you to step into that story, like the next level of the game that, wow, there's all these new things I I never had before. Greater risk? Yes. Greater uh, challenges? Yes. Less known? Yes. And things that have been hidden before that God put into creation waiting for us to step into story two, we all of a sudden experience and have access to and, and get to be part of. And so that's what excites me about story two is, you know, it, can we do that with every decision, every moment of every day? Probably not. But can we orient ourselves always toward this is where I want to be? And when I start falling back into the other, like I know exactly what you're talking about with the, you know, like I just want the night to go easy. I I just would like while I'm grilling to have a beer and maybe then the next beer. And this isn't a like I love beer. This isn't against beer. This isn't against wanting the night to go well. But what it is is where do the things that pull us back into story one lead us? And it tends to lead us toward wanting relief instead of stepping into something greater. And the less we step into greater things, the more bored we are with our story and the more we want more relief. And it's this downward cycle of ultimately I want relief from the hard things, but then it becomes I just want relief from the boredom. You know, and, and then you're just living in a world looking for, and that's where addictions come and stick because I got to have something exciting. And if my life, if I'm in story one and it's not exciting, well, you know, is it, alcohol, pornography, uh, trying to prove yourself through work, uh, gambling, whatever, you know, some kind, some kind of addiction that is some search for life. And in story one, it always goes down, I think, over time. And story two, God's always calling us into this new frontier, and that's the adrenaline, and that's the excitement. And so I think when you're fully in story two, addictions have less hold. You're not looking for relief as much. You're going into an expectancy and an awe. And so to me, it's invitation. Like, God doesn't force us into story two, but why would you want to watch a movie of story one, and why would you want to live story one? 